Hello, this is Dean Hess, Managing Editor of Respiratory Care. We are pleased that this month's podcast is sponsored by the University of Cincinnati Online Bachelor in Respiratory Therapy Program. This program is geared towards registered respiratory therapists who are looking to advance their careers. It is provisionally accredited by COARC. The program is 100% online and has four full-time faculty members giving you a quality education from some of the top respiratory therapy professionals in the world. The University of Cincinnati BSRT program has end-to-end support to ensure your success. Don't delay. Reach out to a University of Cincinnati online enrollment specialist today at 833-556-7600 or at ucrt.online. Now I turn the program over to the Editor-in-Chief for the May podcast. Hello, and welcome to the May 2020 Respiratory Care Editor's Commentary and Podcast. I'm Rich Branson. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Respiratory Care. This month's editor's choice by Saete is a small prospective physiologic study adjusting driving pressure through manipulation of PEEP. When the lowest driving pressure was reached, the stability over time was assessed. Compared to PEEP set using the low PEEP FiO2 table from the ARGSNET ARMA trial, a decrease in driving pressure was associated with an increase in PEEP in six subjects and a decrease in four. Importantly, after the change in PEEP, driving pressure stabilized in less than five minutes. Dries and Marini provided comment noting that the best PEEP is tidal volume dependent. They argue for an empiric approach to PEEP as the impact of PEEP on driving pressure is related to lung recruitability. This allows the clinician to use the PEEP FiO2 table as a starting place, but then allows the clinician to use expert judgment to set the best PEEP. Mechanical insufflation exufflation is a standard of care in chronic neuromuscular diseases such as amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. Mechanical insufflation exufflation operation has remained fairly constant since its inception. Recently, MIE systems have added oscillations in an effort to improve secretion clearance. Sancho and colleagues evaluated MIE with and without oscillations in a 12-month study of subjects with ALS. They found that the addition of oscillations had no impact on the need for invasive procedures such as suctioning or bronchoscopy or on the incidence of respiratory infections. Chatwin and Toussaint comment that the study demonstrates that oscillations should not be routinely adopted. However, they suggest that patients with bulbar involvement could respond differently, as has been described previously. Inay and colleagues measured the distribution of ventilation using electrical impedance tomography during mechanical ventilation of pediatric subjects. They found that the distribution of ventilation was more ventral in subjects receiving controlled ventilation. This was associated with poorer oxygenation. Spontaneous ventilation was associated with more even distribution of ventilation and improved oxygenation. EIT provides information on ventilation distribution, but the ability to use that information to impact patient outcomes remains to be seen. Wataru and others compared high-flow nasal cannula to oxygen delivered by a large volume nebulizer following extubation. This single-center randomized control trial did not demonstrate any differences in reintubation rate at day seven. And while high-flow nasal cannula provides advantages related to a washout of dead space versus standard oxygen therapy, that did not result in outcome differences in this trial.
Del Corso et al. evaluated a number of field walking tests in subjects with bronchiectasis. They found no difference in the desaturation events or peak heart rate between the six-minute walk test, the incremental shuttle walk test, and the endurance shuttle walk test. They concluded that these tests can be used interchangeably for evaluation of exercise-induced oxygen desaturation. Camarota and colleagues compared PEEP setting using gas exchange endpoints versus esophageal pressure monitoring to obtain a positive transpulmonary pressure during intraoperative ventilation. Importantly, this was the intraoperative ventilation occurring during a technique where the patients were placed in Trendelenburg, where perhaps the weight of the abdominal contents have the greater impact. That when they targeted transpulmonary pressure, that was associated with improved oxygenation and better lung compliance. However, no post-operative outcome variables were determined, length of stay in the ICU, length of time on mechanical ventilation. D'Souza and others evaluated the intra and inter-observable reproducibility of the timed inspiratory effort index. They previously reported that TIE may be a predictor of successful ventilator discontinuation. They report that there was a low variability between measurements and high reproducibility of the TIE measurement. This group has studied the TIE measurement on a number of occasions, but to date, this hasn't replaced the use of spontaneous breathing trials in most cases. Donadio and co-workers evaluated the exercise capacity of subject with cystic fibrosis during a modified shuttle test. The distance walked was compared with anthropometric data and lung function. They report that the main determinants of exercise capacity assessed by the modified shuttle test were resting heart rate, age, and lung function. Viral infections predominate the literature at the time of this podcast. Holzmer and others describe metanumavirus in hospitalized pediatric subjects. The authors performed a retrospective study in two centers evaluating demographics, comorbidities, and treatments. Oxygen therapy met the needs of most subjects. However, they found that children with metanumavirus were at increased risk of acute kidney injury, regardless of the degree of their respiratory illness. Apropos to the current times and the COVID-19 pandemic, Jeong et al. evaluated the impact of breathing through an N95 mask worn by subjects with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. They measured respiratory symptoms and physiologic variables during a 10-minute period of rest and during the six-minute walk test. Of the 97 subjects, seven were unable to wear the mask for the entire study duration. Subjects able to complete the study had a higher modified British Medical Research Council score and lower forced expiratory volume in one second. The authors conclude that the more advanced COPD limits tolerability of the N95 mask, even for short periods of time. This has important implications given the current concerns over wearing a mask in public by all people, not just patients. Jin and colleagues evaluated a portable Bluetooth barometer to, to a traditional pulmonary function analyzer during pulmonary function testing. Testing primarily evaluated flow measurements. The authors found that concordance between the devices was good. They speculate that the device may provide cough savings and convenience in some conditions. Sue et al. provide a systematic review of probiotics for ventilator-associated pneumonia. Their meta-analysis suggests that probiotics may reduce VAP, but this needs to be tested in large multi-center trials. It's important to note that while combining the patient numbers from multiple studies improves the power of a meta-analysis, Meta-analysis is really about asking questions for new studies, not definitively determining what the impact is of a certain treatment. Epler and others provide a review of radiation, post-breast cancer radiotherapy, and bronchiolitis obliterans organizing pneumonia. BOOP is characterized by ground glass opacities in the radiation-exposed lung 
and frequently in the non-irradiated lung. They reported that risk factors for BOOP include increasing age, previous cigarette smoking, and increasing central lung distance. Our year in review series includes neonatal respiratory support by Wheeler and Smallwood and aerosol therapy by Berlinski. Both papers describe the important papers that were published on these respective topics in the last 12 months. In a special article by Cobb, the role of e-cigarettes and vaping devices on acute lung injury are described. This concise review separates fact from fiction related to the outbreak of e-cigarette-associated lung injury, or e-valley. The current coronavirus has pushed e-valley off the radar, but this remains an important public health issue, and we appreciate Dr. Cobb's contribution to the journal. Our second Cochrane Corner is a review of non-invasive ventilation and cystic fibrosis by our editorial intern, Denise Willis. We appreciate your support of the journal. We appreciate you listening to the podcast, and we hope that in these serious times that you're being careful. Thank you. To receive the content of this and past issues of the journal, visit our website at www.rcjournal.com. There you can also subscribe to receive podcasts of future issues. 